I want to take this moment and talk about your wine. Yeah, I know everybody loves to have their dinner wine or their after-dinner wine or just the wine-down-the-evening type wine. Life is complicated enough. Your wine shouldn't be. And Drex Cellars, they'll make it easy. Join the Drex Cellars Wine Club. Get monthly deliveries direct to your door. Discover new selections each month. And if you like, you can also build a business while sharing your experience. Drex Cellars' revolutionary approach puts 100% focus on you. We focus on exploration, discovery, and education. Each month, our experts select a great premium wine from our wineries around the globe. Each selection is accompanied by our own tasting notes, detailing who, how, where each wine was crafted, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. With each shipment, we help you refine your palate and identify regions and varieties that you love. And when you do find that perfect wine, we're the only club that provides its members the opportunity to stock up at club cost. Our goal is to help you fill your own cellar with wine that you love, wine that you're confident about, that you're proud of, and most importantly, that you're excited to share with your friends. The Direct Cellars Wine Promise. We are confident in our selection. After all, our success depends upon our members' continued happiness. However, should you find any of our selections to arrive damaged or simply not meet your fancy for any reason at all, simply let us know and we'll send you a replacement bottle free of charge. That's the 100% satisfaction guaranteed from Direct Sellers. You can find out more by contacting me at Tim at RadioMVP.com or you can go to our Facebook page and click on the Shop Now button. Hi, everyone. Hey, this is Tim. Thanks for the download. If you download this podcast through iTunes, please rate and review our podcast. It would help others find us, and we really appreciate it. A five-star rating and a little caveat. If you uh, give us a review, we'll read it next week here on the podcast. Action-packed podcast for you. We have special guest Jim Craven from the Western Reserve Scourge, a minor league football team here in the Valley. is currently in the second round of the OFL playoffs. Plus, we're going to talk YSU, Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Indians, and Anthony's trip to Canton, Ohio for the Hall of Fame. So stay tuned for all this. Appreciate your download. And remember, once again, to go rate and review us on iTunes. Five-star ratings would be greatly appreciated. Episode 13 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast is coming at you right now. Hi again, everybody. I'm Tim Constantin, along with Anthony Kepley, and this is Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 13, and we've got a great episode coming your way. Uh, we're waiting on Jim Craven, the co-owner of the Mahoney Valley Surge, the minor league football team from the Valley, who is currently in the second round of the OFL playoffs. We're going to be talking to him about the Scourge in the playoffs and find out more about uh, his whole organization there. And uh, they've been playing some great football. And we're going to get into more football. Of course, the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos and many other teams of all getting ready for the NFL season as we uh, get started here. We're going to talk about Anthony's trip down to Canton experience down there for the Hall of Fame. I know uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. And we're going to get into some YSU football, obviously the national debate about Malik Richards and his uh, joining the uh, Youngstown State Penguins football program. So there's a lot to get to and a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, as uh, we're going to, we're looking forward to uh, having our first three-way call here on Google Hangout with uh, Jim 
Craven in a little bit. But let's first uh, ISU thing right off the bat. I don't want to just let that linger out there too long. It is a concern on a PR level. It's a concern more than that on a moral level. And it's a concern just on a perception level, I guess you might want to say. However, here's here's my problem with what happened in Steubenville is unconscionable. It was is it's one of the most disturbing stories surrounding high school football and athletics in the state of Ohio and around the country that uh that ha- that happened. I'm not here to overlook what what took place in Steubenville and how that community dealt with it and the, those who were accused and found delinquent in that case are about. However, I do believe in the justice system and I do believe in opportunities to prove yourself, especially a minor who was found delinquent, basically meaning guilty, had the opportunity to serve his time and now has an opportunity to rebound in, in our community. I don't have a problem with that. I truly don't because that's what our society's built on in second chances and opportunities. I do believe because of his past that he's going to need a very short leash. And he understands that, I think, ahead of time more than any other player who has had indiscretions of the past, either as a YSU player or a person who attends YSU. And I honestly do believe that as bad, and this is frustrating for me, I I was I was hard on Steubenville when that came down, and I'm not. I don't I don't want to overlook what happened, but I do believe that Malik Richards deserves an opportunity to prove himself worthy of the opportunity, and the only way to do that is the way Bo Pelini and YSU has handled this. They gave him guidelines to start, you know, when he registered at YSU to become a student and what it would take for him to join this program. Jim Trestle said it best years ago. There's nothing good that happens at 2 o'clock in the morning, and that's when his phone would ring, and that's one of the biggest problems you would have. And uh, he dealt it at Youngstown State and at Ohio State in his career. dealt with at Nebraska, and he probably has dealt with it here at Youngstown State. I honestly do believe that talent gives you opportunities beyond what you – on the football field or the basketball court or the baseball field that many of us may not get the second and third chances. However, I do believe that it kind of frustrates me to say this, but I, I honestly believe that he believe he deserves this opportunity to prove himself that he has changed atrocious mistake and make himself a better person and contribute not just to the football team, but to YSU as a community and uh, hopefully years go forward. But I, it frustrates me. I, it really, really tours my heart back and forth. But I honestly do believe that it's a, he deserves this opportunity. But he's on a short leash. I mean, you miss class. You fail a test, stuff like that. I mean, you just, you, you got to be, you got to let go. And it's kind of, you know, we've seen this in pro sports where people get second, third, and fourth chances that opportunity i think you have one chance to make it right he's walking a thin line and he has to be on that line the entire time yeah this is um something obviously you know is very 
near and dear to my heart being a lifelong 20-year supporter just a supporter i am you know sometimes emotionally invested it, i love this program more than any sports program or, or any sports team i've ever followed in my life um and going to the games and working down there um this is this is very like you said it tears at your heartstrings it this way and then and back um i agree with you that people deserve second chances uh the kid is still in his beginning years he's only 18 19 years old let me say this as a person to two younger sisters with a lot of my good friends as females there are two crimes in this world that are totally inexcusable and those crimes on earth that is the crime against children what he did was inexcusable it was uncalled for um i am in support of him going back to school i am i have no problem with him continuing his education at youngstown state um, because if you look at every school in america on every college application you fill out a felony or crime will not be it will not hinder you from getting admitted or declined it won't be the only thing um let me say this also i like how he's a walk-on I, I think that's a big thing people have to realize he's not getting a free ride he is going to have to earn it um he is not a preferred walk-on he's paying his own way like i did and my sister did to college it, it's tough for me to all to want this kid on, on a football program that i root for like i said i'm i'm full support of people getting second chances I just do not think this is a I want my program that I love and root for associated with this kind of stuff. Um, and maybe I'm being that way because I do have two sisters and I do have a lot of female friends that are like sisters to me. Um, and I know if something ever happened to that magnitude to them, I couldn't forgive that person that committed that crime. Um, it just I I I couldn't foresee myself for giving that person that did that i am glad that the people who are protesting are doing in a positive manner that is legal we have we live in the greatest country in, in the world and part of that is freedom of speech and you see all the time in the news that protests go wrong and they could become violent and very heated and this is obviously going to become a very emotional topic but the people who started the protest for and against this kid joining the program have gone about it the right way. I like that President Trestle and Coach Polini and staff are going to meet with these people. And hopefully they can come to a common ground. Um, on a football note, I'm going to say this. This kid will not be the reason why YSU wins or loses a football game this year. He won't play very much. He will not be in a position to make or prevent YSU having a game-winning situation. Defensive linemen most of the time are not in that situation, including Derek Rivers. Very very frequent or very seldomly did Derek Rivers have a chance to make a game-winning play, except for maybe Northern Iowa last year on a sack or Wofford on a sack. I'm in full support of this kid being back in the university. I feel like, though, if he wants to be part of the football program, I would have him sit out whole this year and not be a part of the program. I would have given him a year-long stipulation that you got to meet a certain GPA 
and not just a college minimum or YSU minimum to stay eligible. You got to have full-time credit hours, not 12, but at least 15 or 16. Um, and I would even put it on there. You got to have a 3.0 and you, and you have to do a certain number of community service hours each semester. And then at the end of the, of the spring semester in May, President Tressel, Polini and staff and whoever else is involved in this, they get together and decide if this kid is worthy of playing. Listen, maybe I'm being biased and I'm going to sound cliche here. Play for Youngstown State University. I, this is not just a program that's thrown together and, you know, it. I'm going to say this and I'm going to catch a lot of flack and I don't care. This program was not founded upon, you know, entitled um, elite attitudes. We've taken our fair share of character questionable players, but so has every other program in the country. You know, Notre Dame played in the national championship game with a kid who admitted to rape on, and unfortunately that girl's no longer with us. Alabama has had these problems. Florida has had these problems. Every big time program has had kids play on their football team. Starters go to the NFL play in meaningful big-time games. I can agree where you're coming from. I agree with that. But it's difficult. It's I mean, there's no answer that that is 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. The only way I can say it is to put this. in the words for us. Anytime, like you, 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 exactly. You said it very well, and it's, it's how I feel because uh, violence against women is – It's inexcusable. It's just it's inexcusable. It's just yep. not a – I think any of us would condone nor uh, believe it. Because you're and you I would never ever we never strike a woman. I've unfortunately, just like you and many others who've listened to this, have known people who've been assaulted, and those who've been assaulted uh, sexually, unfortunately, in a lifetime. And forgive that neither. And I know the damage it can do to someone. I've seen it, mm -hmm. and, I, and that what bothers me the most. It eats you alive. I do believe. Yeah, and I do believe. This young man has to atone to his responsibility of what happened the rest of his life. Yeah. And he'll never live this down. Right. It, and never lives down wherever he goes. Unlike unlike most juvenile cases, most of these are sealed and we never know about it at the juvenile level. Because of the celebrityness of this crime, it became known and public. And, and it needed to be, be quite honest. It had to be. I don't have a problem with that. I do believe that you have to allow someone who was charged as a minor, serve his crime as a minor, and accept of rehabilitation is presented and an opportunity to move on. Now, that does not mean, like you just said, you can't put stipulations on a young man who wants to join a football team at any level. Cool. Basically tell him he has a thin line to walk and he can't. There's no, there's no room for mistakes both in the classroom and in the community. And I have no problem with that. It's going to be difficult in this. I mean, he knows what he's up against. He's the one who has to live through this. I not necessarily believe that you can't – you can prevent him from playing on your team, but not necessarily prevent him from playing somewhere. Mm -hmm. and, it, and if Bo Pelini and his staff and the University of Youngstown State's willing to take on this responsibility of this young man and his – his past and try to set him 
in a manner to be a stronger person and a more responsible person in the future and have part of that growth being associated with them and take that risk, then I'll sit by and let them make those decisions. And I'll criticize when I think it needs criticized. And I'll praise them when they do deserve to be praised. But in no stretch in the means, does that mean that I, he was accused of, convicted of, and moved and you know was labeled as and then mm-hmm. that's the bottom line is that is that is this is what we're talking about is a crime against women and it's just it's 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 a violent ugly one of the worst things that can happen to someone other than murder in my opinion and i uh in no means uh condoned or believe that but in the same vein if he served his time and if he has the opportunity to correct his life and become a productive member of our society, isn't that what we want in America from anybody in that scenario? And the privilege of playing football, he has to walk that thin line. I hope Coach Pelini and President Tressel and the university that oversees us understands that the community wants what's correct, not just for the university, but for the community and for him. And it, I, and for the victim, for that matter. And then the bottom line is the opportunity to, to join this football team. I agree with you. He's not going to play right away. And chances of him, uh, you know, making a commitment or a contribution on the field ASAP is probably close to nil to none. And if he does get that opportunity to play and represent YSU, have to be able to steward this young man into the direction of becoming a full responsible adult who, when he leaves YSU's football program, wherever happens to him in life, he knows that he's had the opportunity to grow and become a productive member of our society. And hopefully this will be a, a stepping stone towards that. I don't necessarily, I, I, I want to say this again, I think he has the opportunity for a second chance because of the crime that was committed. I'm very, very, it, it bugs me. It bugs me big time. I don't like, it's just, I, I, I can't explain it other than say if you know someone who has gone through something like this, the trepidation that people have about this. And I think that is something we all have to deal with. And let me say that. he's one player on one football team. He's not the entire mm-hmm. team. He doesn't label the team. Mm-hmm. He doesn't label the university. And I want to see I, I, I want him to have the opportunity to prove himself because that's what it comes down to. Let me say this. Uh, He's only one person on this football team. There are a lot of good kids on this football team of good these kids are doing in our community. Um, Let let me say this, too. Um, And I'm not trying to condone or say that what he did was right because it is irreprehensibly wrong. Um, But first of all, who is providing these kids alcohol? 17 years old. That girl should have not gotten to the point of getting blacked out drunk. Now, it's not uh, – I'm not making an excuse for that. But whoever provided these kids there, to get this – There was a lot of mistakes made that night. Decisions. There was a lot of mistakes and decisions made that night that that brought on I'll opportunity say of what happened. But you know what? It doesn't matter. We can't – what happened in the past matters – but what we're talking about is today in the situation why issues in. I can't I'm not gonna legit go back and rewrite history or 
go back and try to judge what has been judged. All I care about is the Penguins, the university, the football program, and how it goes forward with this young man as part of its program. That's all that matters. Let me opinion. say this too, um, and maybe I'm being biased here, but if this were to say this kid walked on to North Left Missouri State or or Western Illinois or, you know, Elon, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It wouldn't be on ESPN. But because he walked on to Youngstown State, where there are two of the most renowned and successful coaches and people in this business in the last 30 years in Trestle and Pelini, and we're coming off a national championship appearance, that's why it's getting the run. Listen, I understand it's going to be a national story, but for ESPN, which which its credibility has taken a huge hit over the past five years um, to have, listen, I understand you're going to cover it. It's August 8th, 9th, and 10th. There's not much going on. But to have Greg McElroy and Paul Feinbaum talk about this is inexcusable. Two guys that have no knowledge of this program, two guys that have probably never seen or watched or listened a Youngstown State football game in their life, except for maybe more of their title game. These talking heads are paid to go to SEC parts. They are in the South. They have no clue of our program. Asking me to go out and speak on cricket. I have no idea what I'm talking about in cricket. Millions of dollars for a couple hours each week to talk about something I have no idea what I'm talking about and spew the same mundane garbage everybody else is doing. Please, I will take that job, sign me up, and I can live happily ever after. That is what gets me going. When I when I get home and I have SEC talking heads who know nothing about our program talking about this, it's a joke. And for them to act like mighty old Alabama and everybody else in the SEC has not dealt with this, I mean, there are players in the SEC that start that have had this kind of problems, and we don't hear a word from those people. But but because it's Jim Trestle and because it's Pelini, they're going to jump down their throat, and it's wrong from the get-go, and that gets me going. I will say this, too. I don't think Jim Trestle would allow this kid into his university that he is the president of, that he is the face of, that has all this momentum going, if he didn't know and do his due diligence with the law, the legal system, and have any hesitation that this kid might do anything along the lines of this or any crime again. I want to believe that in my heart, that he would not let this kid into the football program. After everything he went through at Ohio State and the past, what they want to say about Youngstown State when he was here coaching, I don't think he would do that. Now, people are going to say, well, he's the same old Jim Trussell. But that that set me off on a good note. There's less than 30 days till kickoff, and we beat Pitt. And, you I, know, can't and I can't And I can't. And you can't wait. wait. And I can't wait in the fourth quarter when those Pitt students 
are singing Sweet Caroline all somber in tears again when we stun them again. It's it's coming, it's coming, you know, and this gives a great, a great opportunity to talk about football as we uh, continue here, as our good friend Jim Craven has just popped into our hangout, and it's an opportunity to see if the our connection is working. Jim, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic. How's it going, guys? Fantastic. Hey, Jim, okay, let me uh, let me backtrack for a second, and that was just kind of a an audio test, but. Uh, <laughs> Jim Craven is the co-owner of the Mahoney Valley Scourge, a minor league football team here in the Valley who plays in the Ohio Football League, and they are in the second round of the playoffs uh, this uh, coming weekend, and we're going to learn more about the Scourge and their playoffs, and the, uh, I believe they're the 2015 champions of the league, and we're going to get more into that. Plus, Jim is also... Uh, very well known in the Valley as he works with Mark Means on AM 1240 as they uh, do the high school football games. And this year I will be on Z104 along with that Cumulus Broadcast uh, group uh, with Matt Ench, who uh, actually has been broadcasting some of the uh, Scourge games along with, with Mark Means this year. So uh, this is uh, coming coming like a, a little family here on this podcast as we bring along in. And, of course, Anthony, uh, Jim, is going to be uh, – helping us out in high school football this year as he's going to come along and do some of the stats for us over here on Z104. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Jim Cravens. Thank you for having me. Excited. Appreciate it. It's it's an exciting time for uh, Mahoning Valley and uh, the football season as uh, your season started in the springtime and is rolling right through here in August. And talk about the scourge. What What is character of the scourge but what is the football program and what are some of the benefits it is not just for the valley but uh for the players who uh who really take on this uh, challenge each summer in uh, minor league football well the scourge is part of the ohio football league which is uh commonly known as semi-pro uh that, that's a misnomer being that the guys don't get paid they're a lot in line with what you might see from uh the youngstown phantoms hockey team uh, they are not paid. They are guys that are trying to develop and maybe uh, go to college or get a tryout with the Canadian Football League or Arena. And then once in a great while, you'll have somebody creep in that's going to head uh, head up to the NFL. And that usually becomes pretty big news for us. But our, our season starts in right around mid-April. It's uh, it's the, it's the non-traditional football season, obviously. But We'll go from mid-April with preseason games, and then the league play will start right around week one or two of May, and it'll go through June and most of July, and it'll bring us up to the playoffs where we are right now. Uh, We're in week two, so uh, we'll be done right around uh, when high school starts, and the OFL championship and the PAFL championship will be played on August 29th. But essentially, it's a developmental program, or it's a way for guys that uh, maybe have played college football that want to continue, but... uh, you know, also want to have a career and a family and things of that effect. So it serves a couple of different different demographics, uh, like myself. Uh, you know, I still play a little bit, but you know, I, I'm I work full time, and, and obviously at my age, I'm not going anywhere. But uh, we have some guys uh, like Dana Harris, who've just been signed to the Arena Football League, who will leave us for, uh, next January for camp. But he had to stay in the area, and he was attending YSU. He graduated, and we have another gentleman in James Reynolds who just went to. Uh, a Division II university down in Tampa. So we have some guys that we're developing, and again, we have some guys who love to still play the game after their eligibility has uh, expired, and we get that handful 
that are just looking to play some, some in some professional capacity. Now, last week was the first round of the playoffs. You played the Silverbacks and won nine to nothing in a defensive ball game where the first score was a safety and the, and the second score was a defensive touchdown. Uh, the Scourge defense has actually been a standout this year as I uh, did some research uh, for you. But talk about your team this year, uh, some of the players that are on it, and uh, how you've uh, advanced to the second round of the playoffs this year. Well, we we had, we around excuse me, try that in English. We were around in 2015 and won the OFL championship. We had our core players at that time. I uh, had to take 2016 off for business reasons, and and we've come back this year and. Probably half of the team is from the 2015 championship team, and the other half are not. And we've brought in a lot of new talent, uh, probably three or four Youngstown State guys, a couple of guys from Walsh, and uh, one guy from Liberty University down in Virginia. So there's a wide variety in terms of of demographics. You know, we have everybody from, uh, I think our youngest this year is 20, and uh, the oldest up to now is 42, and I'm not going to say who that is, but... uh, it, it, it's kind of a wide variety. We have a, a good core of uh, veteran leadership this year, and that starts with guys like John Banka, who he was he was the one who went to Liberty University, and uh, guys like Dev McCall, who are at YSU, Aaron Whalen, who's a three-time uh, OFL All-Star. So we have a good combination, uh, you know, where we brought back, you know, and I don't want to forget anybody, guys like uh, Pearson Haywood and uh, Keontae Early from Youngstown State. So it's becoming more and more of uh, top-level players. Uh, we, we, I mean, we have a whole crew of high school guys that uh, have not played since then and are trying to develop and maybe work towards a scholarship or maybe a walk-on at a Division three school. So we, the, the demographics are, are all over the board with the team, and, and I'll tell you, that makes, makes for a lot of fun. Coming into this weekend's game, uh, week two of the uh, playoffs, uh, now this game is going to be played in Akron, if I'm correct. And just talk a moment about the uh, the playoffs and how many rounds there are. Obviously, you have to advance to continue, but uh, talk about the team they're going to face and what the scourge is up against. Well, in week one, we played the uh, Northeastern Ohio Silverbacks, and, and and for some reason, there's a I don't want to say some reason, but there's a lot of parity in the OFL this year, and we it's really hard to predict anything that's going to go on. Uh, the team that we played last week in the Silverbacks beat the number one seed the week before that. And then we came in and beat the number four seed and it, uh, they actually split the series uh, in their division. So it, I, I believe, and well, I'm not going to believe, I'm going to say there are 16 teams that make the playoffs from the OFL. There's eight in the Western conference, which extends out to Indiana, Michigan, and the Western half of Ohio. And then there's eight on the Eastern side, which is East of Columbus, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. So we are down in the second round. Now we're down to uh, eight teams, four teams on an inch conference. And uh, lucky us, we drew the number one seed in the Ohio Broncos. So we get to go up to Akron and, uh, you know, play with them. And then uh, on the Western half, we have, we have a lot of new teams and a lot of, uh, you know, depending on how you look at uh, Michigan teams jumping in there. So it's uh, we're, we're looking at the semifinals this week. We're looking at the conference championships on the 19th, uh, I believe, if I'm not messing up my dates here. And then there are the uh, OFL championship will be on August 26th, and that'll be uh, just in time for high school football to start. Uh, that's perfect timing for you, isn't it? As we get ready for the high school football season, that uh, we're, we were talking before we got started. We're just a few weeks away from that, and uh, what a, what a time of the year this is, uh, Jim. I know you and Mark uh, worked last year together, and uh, looking forward to this season too. I imagine, and 
Uh, Mark Means, who is your play-by-play announcer for The Scourge, does a terrific job, as most of us know. And you can find them on the internet, the broadcast at westreserveradio.com. And uh, Jim, just talk about that, What, how to find The Scourge. Uh, if some of our listeners want to uh, check out this uh, week's action. When is it going to be about? And also to uh, let our listeners know, uh, we are a, a proud sponsor of The Scourge this, uh, this week again. And uh, looking forward to uh, the action coming up this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate it. And uh, Saturday will be a uh, 6.50 airtime on WesternReserveRadio.com with Mark Means, Matt Emch, and Dave Ferris running everything. So we're, we're, we have a great crew that has been following us around this year. And uh, Western Reserve Radio is interesting. It was, uh, we were trying to find a way to uh, get some media attention, some coverage, and it was really hard to come by for a while in our early years. So thankfully to a long Northeastern Ohio winter, uh, we sat around and we played around with YouTube actually and created Western Reserve Radio. And uh, it's it's been very good to us. And we've worked in conjunction with uh, Sports Radio 1240. They've done three of the games this year in addition to doing the locker room report every Tuesday. And Mark has been working both sides of it, and he's just been phenomenal with that. And uh, him and Matt, I can't say enough about. And we all know there's that guy that behind the scenes that makes everything work in Dave. So we, we certainly don't want to forget him. He's a replacement. No, no. Dave does a uh, – I know Dave. Dave does a great job each week. Uh, he takes a lot of ribbon from Mark, but, uh, you know, he can handle it. Yeah, he's pretty thick-skinned, and he has to be around Mark. Sometimes I feel bad for him, but we worked for so long together, and they went to- – I mean, they've known each other for so long. That that's just how they kind of talk to each other. It took me a little while to get used to that, and Dave would just pat me on the back and say, I'm used to this. This is just a Friday night. But working with those guys is just so fun. I mean, I've done the the uh, Western Reserve radio end of it, and I was kind of a self-taught kind of guy with all the equipment and, and you know, things of that effect and, and learning timing with, you know, commercials and whatnot. And Mark's taught me a lot more since then, and that's it's been so twofold in terms of being able to call football, which I know well, and then learning, you know, this side of the business. And I, up until just recently, I, I hated talking on a microphone and in front of people, but, uh, you know, it, it's definitely, I've it's gotten over that. It's such a fun time. And someday I'm going to get Dave Ferris on a microphone too, but, uh, it's you know, I've so fun. That. I filled in for Mark a couple of times, uh, back in the day and, uh, Dave, no, no, he, he stays quiet. <laughs> he likes to be in the background working, but, uh, uh, he's a great guy. He uh, he's done a lot of work with Mark over the years, and I know uh, how. Uh, yes, it is uh, quite interesting how they uh, uh, communicate well with each other. You know, great compliments. So let's just say it that way. Yeah, that's uh, not- I, uh, talking about this uh, the, the scourge coming into this weekend's game. Uh, is that four thirty? Did you say it's going to be a seven o'clock kickoff this week? Uh, four thirty last week, and uh, we're going to have a night game, which all the guys love. You know, no matter if you're in high school or not. You know. They, they seem to love that, and uh, we're going to be taking on the Ohio Broncos, yeah. which uh, we played them two years ago in the playoffs, and we were able to uh, come out on top on that one. And uh, Jimmy Melton and, and that crew do a fantastic job. They do a great job with the league, too. They don't promote only their team, but they promote everybody else's team and the league, and that's something you, know, you rarely find because the teams are so competitive. But with a guy like that, and uh, I think he's retiring at the end of the year as an owner, but uh, he's done a fantastic job getting this out and, and, and working together with everybody. He's, he, he's one of the best, and we're, we're going to miss him when he's gone. Yeah, there's no question. Leadership in any type of uh, organization is very important. Hey, talking about the OFL, it's what most people probably would think it would how you described it, that they would use either collegiate rules or 
uh, high school rules, but that's not the case. You guys kind of follow the NFL rules on uh, officiating and how the game is played, except for maybe the extra points. It's pretty much NFL rules. Isn't that correct? Yeah, we do NFL rules. Uh, normally, they're a year behind because the league uh, meetings don't happen until after our season starts. So we'll use the previous season uh, league rules. But there are certain things that the owners will vote on that, that you know, they didn't feel would benefit us at this level. And one of them, like you mentioned, was the extra point. Uh, you know, guys were comfortable with the, you know, being at the two, kicking it, not a big deal. Uh, they do do to the two-point conversions. And also one of the significant differences in the OFL and the PAFL, which is kind of the sister league to this, uh, is that the overtime rules are by, co- are by college format. So instead of having a 15-minute quarter, we'll start at the 25 and we'll go till there's a winner. And uh, I'm not real sure what the premise was on that with the owners when they voted on that. Uh, my partner did. And, uh, you know, I think it was a time issue because, you know, cost is a big thing with the stadiums and whatnot. So sure. I think that's why they did it. But that resulted in a tie for us in week one. So yeah, I, I don't know if it benefited us or not. Oh, really? Okay. I've seen the tie in the standings. I was going to ask you about that. So you do use the collegiate rules, which, by the way, I, I personally love. Uh, yeah. Put the ball at the 25-yard line. You have no time on the clock. You have four downs to score. You know, you have the opportunity to get a first down and move on and let the defense, uh, you know, make a play to end the ball game, which I personally love that style of you know, the high school and the collegiate game. I think uh, the NFL would too terrific if they would adopt that. Uh, I'm in the minority there, I know, because everyone thinks uh, the way they do it now, which is god-awful, uh, in my opinion, uh, is is not – end of football game but at least uh i love the way that you do it both teams get an opportunity to have the ball both teams play defense you're playing in a red zone style so you have to score and uh, it is a uh, it's the best way to do it now they only play one overtime jim or do they play multiple overtimes if if the uh facility will allow it well they'll go until somebody wins uh our issue in week one was uh the officials felt and at that time, uh, I believe that was around May 13th. Uh, it happened to be a really hot day. It was one of those days where we had played four or five overtimes, and the officials could see that there was, uh, you know, not the game wasn't going anywhere. They felt for safety purposes and, and dehydration and things of that effect that uh, they were going to call the game. And at that point, it was probably a good call because the guys were just beat tired. And at that point, we, you know, you start to get injuries a little bit. It's sloppy play. And you could see that uh, you know that was going to be the potential. So those guys made a good call on that. But uh, unfortunately, we were on the uh, end of history where we were the first tie in the history of the OFL, and they've been around since 2013. So there was some you know uh, award to go with that, I guess. <laughs> but it was a division game, and that's not really how we wanted it then. Talk about right now uh, going into this uh, game this weekend. Obviously, you know you mentioned the Broncos and, and their and their history. Uh, talk about going on the road. Uh, do you going uh, you know going to Akron to play? Uh, how difficult is that for a a team like uh, the minor league team that you own? And what uh, what challenges does that possess? Because I assume uh, these might be kind of I want to say neutral field type games, but it seems to be at least that's my impression of it from last week. Well, there there are home stadiums, and where we're playing uh, the Broncos will be their home stadium where we played them the last time. Normally at this level, you're going to have some issues with some travel. Uh, we have guys that either have jobs that will not work with us, and they're so far and few in between. 
uh, or we have some issues like we had earlier in the season where we had some guys that were graduating from Youngstown State, couldn't make the trip. And that's an issue for most teams. Uh, when you're traveling from Pittsburgh to Cleveland, you know, it, it's, it's got to be an, it's an issue where you can't get back and forth real quick. But I will say uh, we have been fortunate. We've traveled well. Uh, the two, team, or two games that we lost were on the road. But uh, other than that, you know, it wasn't a numbers issue. It, w- it was because we lost the game, and, and we can kind of live with that. But it's, uh, it, it's tough. But I, I think that our guys in some way take uh, – you know, they take some interest in, you know, to use the, the pro wrestling term, they like being the heel. They like going into somebody's stadium and, and doing that, and they've done a good job of it this year. Last week, uh, you know, they played as hard as I've ever seen them. And they not, and they held a team to uh, a shutout that was putting up, you know, between twenty five and thirty points a game. So when playoffs come around, like they say, you know, we throw everything out the window and things change. And they they've done a phenomenal job. But this week is going to be a whole different story. Uh, the Ohio Broncos are loaded. I mean, from top to bottom, uh, Marquell's uh, Marquello Sewell is their quarterback. He is out of Akron. Uh, he extremely extremely athletic. Um, he actually uh, uh, leaped one of our players last year or two years ago standing up. So, you know, we, we've had to live that one down a little bit. But uh, Marquello is a good guy. And, uh, you know, running backs, offensive line, there's really no weakness with this team. And uh, I, I don't know if they got towards the end of the season and got complacent a little bit with the loss to the NEO Silverbacks. But uh, this is a team you cannot take lightly. And every position, they're strong. Not only are they strong at every position, they're deep at every position. So it's going to be a matter of us playing pretty much a mistake-free game. We're going to have to eliminate the penalties, and uh, we're not going to. Have, we have to keep from giving up the big plays, and that's been our Achilles' heel. When we have lost games, uh, so the Strabane Spartans, you know, it, it was a twenty-five to eight game. Uh, three of those scores came on touchdown passes of seventy yards or more. Uh, maybe just an off day. I, I don't know, but uh, you know, the uh, Strabane receiver is very athletic and. Uh, you know, they caught us at that time. As long as we don't give up those big plays, you know, we're in every game. Uh, last week was, a, if you're a defensive, you know, if you have a defensive interest, last week was wonderful going into the third quarter 2 nothing. But, uh, you know, defense came up big for us, and Chris Ford was able to pick up a ball after a, an Aaron Whalen strip and score, which, uh, if you heard Mark Means' call, you know, was exciting. Uh, they Matter of fact, him and Matt jumped up, almost knocked the table down over a hill, but uh, – you know, we're known for our defense. Our offense did a good job last week uh, with controlling the ball in the fourth quarter. They held it for 10 or 12 minutes. That, you know, that limited the opportunities for uh, the Silverbacks. But that, that's definitely something we're going to have to do this week. But the offense is going to have to put up points uh, in addition to just playing that tight defense. All right, let's 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 get to the important question here. Talk about the, uh, the history of the Scourge. Uh, where's the name come from? What it is? And how you and your co-owner uh, came up with this uh, this great term for a football team? Well, I was not the initial owner of the team. Uh, there was three. There were three gentlemen, including Garrett Savek, uh, who were the primary owners in 2012. Uh, a friend of mine, Rob Eggleston, and I had been playing for the Cleveland Warriors uh, in the National Public Safety Football League, and we just kind of their season ended in May, and we wanted to continue playing. And, and uh, ironically, I, I'm also an Ohio official, so we were getting notices for games for this level. And uh, Rob said, let's go check this out. And it was, it was probably week five or six of their season by that time uh, signed on with Garrett. And uh, he, he told me the story. I, he was a, uh, he's into video games. He's into the, and, and I don't know what they're called because I, I just don't play video games, but he's an esport uh, guy. huh? Yeah. Well, this, this was some kind of weird zombie uh, okay. video game. And, and you know, <laughs> 
if, if you had a gun to my head, I don't know if I'd even remember it. But uh, he, he and another friend of his that was into marketing come up with, with this from a video game. Uh, he checked around and it was the only one in the United States. No, There was no high school, uh, college, uh, semi-pro or pro team that had that name. So he ran with the uh, Columbiana County Scourge for the first year, but he wanted to open up the uh, recruiting a little bit. So he wanted to come up with something that was unique, uh, but you know, rec- but it covered all the entire area. And everybody had done the the Mahoning Valley thing. They've done the Youngstown thing. So we went the, with the historical aspect on the Western Reserve issue. Nobody had ever done that either, but it covered all of Northeastern Ohio. Uh, matter of fact, here in Poland, where I live, it's a uh, town one square one of the Western Reserve uh, area. And this is where we played for those first few years. So that, that was a great historical aspect. But uh, it, it was... Uh, at some point, he stepped away, and Jason and I took over, and we kept the name. And it's become uh, pretty unique because, like I said, there is no other scourge out there. But the big question I get is, what is a scourge? You know, and uh, if you're if you've read, you know, if you're biblical, you know what it is. It's an instrument of punishment. You know, it was the um, the whips that you know you would see in a crucifixion, or uh, it was actually a term used in movies that meant a a gaggle of zombies. And that just kind of stuck with us and people started having fun with us. And, uh, you know, they, they started calling us the dead guys and everything else. And uh, we have a, a gentleman named Steve Wayland who does a lot of our, uh, he does a theatrical part. You know, we have smoke, fire, fireworks, all that good stuff. And uh, he started setting up tombstones. And every time we would beat a team, he would put a tombstone up with their name on it. And it would go right into the entranceway. So it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And it's been a lot of fun because there's a, you know, there, there's a hundred teams out there that are, that are the Spartans or the Broncos, and uh, we're, we're safe to say the most unique in the country. You gotta love it. A, a gaggle of zombies, the surge. I love it. It is a uh, it's it's fun thing to to uh, to see the uh, the logo and uh, to talk about. And hey, first of all, from everybody, from Anthony and I, and. All our listeners here on Radio MVP Sports Podcast, we wish nothing but the best of the surge. You can find the Western Reserve Surge on Western Reserve Radio, and we are a proud sponsor this week on their broadcast. Mark Means, Matt Inch will bring you the ball game. Uh, this is Jim Craven, one of the co-owners of the Western Reserve Scourge. Jim, hey, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. And obviously you have an open invitation during the high school football season to join us. We're going to be looking to try to put some specials together just for high school football. So I will be in touch to try to recruit you then. Oh, that'll uh, be a lot of back fun. on the, on the, on the podcast. Yeah. It's such a good time with Mark and, and doing it with everybody and, you know, AJ back in the studio and that I, I can't forget him, but it's, it's an absolute blast. I, sometimes I can't even believe they let me in the studio. I mean, it's just that much fun. It's going to be a great season, and hopefully the uh, Scourge season will continue this weekend, and you can catch them on Western Reserve Radio at 7 p.m. on Saturday. It should be a great time. Hey, Jim, hey, thanks again. We will uh, talk to you soon, and I appreciate your uh, stopping by and, and uh, being part of our podcast here tonight. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Anthony. We'll see you, and uh, hopefully we'll have something to talk about next week, too. Thank you. Good luck this week. All right. We'll see you now. All right, that is uh, Jim, and my thanks to him once again for being part of our uh, podcast here tonight. All right, hey, Anthony, let's get back into the uh, more interesting stuff. I should say the, the, the new stuff that we're going to be talking about uh, as we move forward. But I think what's important, you know, is uh, this is one of the great things about the Mahoning Valley is we have so many mm-hmm. great sports 
opportunities. Not, I mean, I've always said this is a football baseball area traditionally. I mean, all the sin of baseball that goes on and, you know, from the Babe Ruth leagues to amateur leagues that are around. Plus, you look at the high school football, the collegiate football in our area and Northeast Ohio being so close to Western Pennsylvania and all their opportunities, you know, either watching the NFL and, you know, NBA and the Indians and everything else. It's just we're jam-packed with so many opportunities to uh, see. And, and the Scourge is just another opportunity in the Valley, uh, a sports scene, which is phenomenal. And we didn't even talk about the Scrappers, who are, of course, our minor league team, who's off to a great season so far this year. Yeah. It, but Niles, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just an amazing uh, – prefla of uh, sports that we have here should be a lot of fun this year i'm looking forward to talking to jim again and so uh, we get into the high school football season and we wish to scourge nothing but the best as we move forward getting into uh, our next uh, subject of sports activities let's talk a little indian so while we have this opportunity and i know uh, uh the indians are nine games above 500 i think they're what 61 yeah. 52 or something like that Right now, uh, 60 and 51. Yeah, and 51. Are, yeah. yeah, it's something like that. Anyways, I, I don't I don't look at yeah. standings that, that much. I told you that in the past. I just care about how they perform <laughs> today. And today, I don't. <laughs> I only care. No. One time I really have to look for them is the last month hey, of the season. The to see what they're doing. Lewis. You are the anti Jensen Lewis. He's. Second week of April, he's scoreboard watching. He's got the standings up, and he's like, well, we got death. Uh, it's a marathon. Baseball such a marathon. I just – you know like what? You know when your team's winning. You know when your team's winning. You know when your team's losing. And mm-hmm. it's just so difficult to uh, worry about uh, being in first place in July. I just – what I care most yeah, about is, is how the team is performing. And let me say this. The starting pitching is starting to come together. We're starting to see – some depth here. Uh, Bauer has stepped up the last three performances yeah, tonight. He threw a per- another a terrific ball game. Uh, obviously, Kluber, the last two games, phenomenal. Uh, with over 10 strikeouts in both performances, complete games, getting both the Ws. And uh, yesterday with the big walk-off home run by Gomes mm-hmm. was huge. And, you know, we get – the starting pitching is there right now. I mean, I'm really actually yeah, – Happy with the performances. I know we're going to have up and downs. And, and in the bullpen, okay. I mean, obviously, the injuries to uh, Miller is huge. And the injury to Logan is huge. You lose two veteran left-handers right there. You know, you call up Olsen, who actually pitched well today. Uh, he struggled a little bit, but he fought through and got through the inning. So mm-hmm. I, I really think is an opportunity to grow as an organization right now. I'm not convinced that this team can put more than eight to ten games together at one time. Uh, I think we've seen that already. Uh, And, you know, the injury bugs has just been really, really a big part of why this team has scuffled this season. I mean, Kipnis has been on the DL twice. Uh, Brantley's back on the DL for the second time. Uh, you got uh, Chisholm who's been on the – on the DL two times. Jackson has been on the DL two times. Uh, that says a lot about continuity in your offense. And man, it's one of the reasons why the Indians have struggled offensively at times is they haven't had a consistent lineup that has uh, had a chance to perform. Uh, those who have performed like Ramirez in, in Carcion 
and a few others have been pretty consistent throughout the year. And they've had hot stretches, but I've been, uh, you know, I'm not at the top of the lineup. I'm still concerned. We don't really have a true leadoff hitter. I think the three, four, five hitters have done their jobs all season long. I'm not, you know, whoever you have in, in that position. And bottom of the lineup recently has uh, has performed better. But, you know, just scoring one, two runs against teams is so difficult to win ball games. That's like yesterday. I was so frustrated watching the Indians because Kluber was just on yep. again. And you're trailing one nothing. He's given up, you know, a solar dinger to open up the ball game. And from that point on, it's just lights out. And the office is just guzzling and not doing anything right. Uh, making mistakes on the base pass, making mistakes at the plate, and uh, just really looking for a way. And then, you know, hey, walk. They get a walk a little later with two outs. And and Jackson had the abata, uh, one of the bats of the season, the bat of the game really there, uh, fouling off, staying mm-hmm. alive, and then hitting them where they weren't. You know, he hit them where they ain't. Get the ball in. And he tied the ball game up. Gomes comes up on the first yep. pitch, deposited into the uh, in the bleachers. And next thing you know, they're going home with a 4-1 win. Today, one lead with Lindor. And unfortunately, the bullpen was unable to handle it in the ninth inning. They went extra innings. They went to the 12th inning. And, you know, McAllister gives up the dinger. You know, that's what happens in the extra innings. You know, like someone's going to score sooner or later. And it's usually a dinger will win a ball game. And, uh, Unfortunately for the Indians, uh, as, as successful as Gome was uh, on Monday, Tuesday, just didn't went their way with Blackman hitting his home run. Yeah. It, it, and I don't want to put a lot of this on the bullpen because they're shorthanded right now. Um, and you're not going to beat playoff teams. Colorado is a playoff team. And you're not going to beat playoff teams. You're scoring one, two runs a game. It, it is at some point, and I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. I think we're too far past to expect the offense, like you said, to consistently put together a streak to where we can make a big run. Listen, will we make the playoffs probably by default? Kansas City's banged up now. Um, their starting pitching isn't as great anymore. Salvador Perez is on the DL. You don't know how long he's going to be out. They're already three and a half games out. Uh, for those who do look at standings, um, it's, it's, but what has baffled me all year dating back to last postseason is when the Indians get in a good count, they throw get me over fastballs. Why in God's name do we continue to throw fastballs right down Broadway? Hey, I don't understand it. Allen in the ninth for a double, and then you got, and then you got the Rockies. Maybe the Rockies' best hitter in the twelfth inning. You throw a get me over fastball, and it's crushed with two outs too. Yeah, yeah, it's just frustrating. Um, you have, but like you I have said, to take advantage I don't of opportunities want to put it on the on, on the bullpen. I don't want to do that because right now the offense again continues to be anemic it, it is downright terrible right now it's august 9th and the offense still stinks listen i know the injuries have played a big part you're without chisel who when he went down was your leading rbi guy or or second behind santana flip-flop those every game it seemed like um kipness you know i feel like i 
I would trade him to I don't care where we trade him and you, and you give me back this whiteout, I think it'd be a a deal winner for the Indians. Um we haven't had a consistent leadoff hitter since uh, Grady Sizemore. And that's ten years ago. Um and this you know at some point the offense has got to start scoring. You know, we're gonna get in the playoffs and it's it's maddening. When the eighth inning, you got the bases loaded, you don't score. The sixth inning, you got first and third, one out, you don't score. And what it seems to me like we've seen all year is when you get guys on and you get in a good hitter's count, you roll over on a pitch. Or Almonte today. Oh, God, Almonte. Who, my grandpa started the Abraham Almonte fan club. And recently, <laughs> Abraham's performance on the verge of shutting that down. I play right field in the freaking swivel chair like this, like he's Russell Brannion out there. God almighty. On a routine well, you know, here's, been caught I, at the I wall. Understand. And then today, Thanks. first and third, and he swings the first pitch when the guy's been wild. Why? It, it, it is, I mean, it's maddening. It is absolutely frustrating beyond all get out. And thank God we're in the, in the worst division in baseball, or the second worst division in baseball, because I mean, goodness gracious, alive! I, I mean, right now Zimmer's not hitting, and gone. And like I told my cousin last night, if we we walked off, we win four to one, and we showed some signs of life against a really good closer, and, and we come back again today. Two runs, two runs. You ready for this step? Colorado's bullpen. Well, they've been good. There are no, there are no dominant one. One innings, two hits. And if you look at the Indians that batch from the tenth inning to the twelfth inning, to the nineteenth to the twelfth inning, downright unacceptable for a major league baseball team. Weak pop-ups. And don't get me started on kittens as a bat in the twelfth inning. I mean, goodness gracious, alive! The ball's at his eyeballs, and he's. I mean, you might as well just when when Jason Kittness is up, it, you might as well just give him an offer. You might as well write a strikeout on the board and let him sit in the dugout because he's not going to do anything productive. He stinks, and I'm tired uh, of the yeah. excuse makers for Jason Kittness. I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm telling the truth. Him and Brian Shaw. <laughs> no, hey, now let, let me let me get to some. I know he's been made. hurt. I, I let me let me get to a couple but points. He's that you made right there. frustrating right now. Let me get to a couple points that you made there. The most important thing is you talked about like Abraham, uh, El Monte. Oh God, he's an he's an inexperienced major league player. He's an inexperienced major league player playing in in important ball games because of injuries. And I'm telling you. Experience now, well, matters. And now let me let me go on. I mean, right now I take Tyler Naquin at this point. It's the same problem with Tyler Naquin. I'm telling you the truth because of their inexperience at the major league level. You can't have that many inexperienced players and expect to win at at this level consistently without some veterans around them. That's why the, the loss of Michael Brantley is going to be huge right now. And that's why the loss of Chisholm Hall is huge right now. And 
you have, like you mentioned, Kipnis coming back. I grant you, Kipnis has been injured all year. And if you look at his career, when he's been injured, his batting average is 220 or less. And that's exactly what he's doing right now. And I agree with you. He is very frustrating, but you have mm-hmm. to play the players that, that get you there. Get injured again. It wouldn't shock me just because of the season he's had. I'm not wishing that. I'm hoping that he comes through. Now, here's no, the, here's the, you can't. You're not going to win. Playing third base. Yes, he's done a great job. I'm proud of him that he's improved, and I see the the advancement of him. And his glove is phenomenal. And I hope that it continues. You know, uh, we lost Michael Brantley. We, we lost Michael Brantley, and we brought up Gonzalez. Okay. That's a huge difference in player caliber, and that's going to matter. What I'm, what I want yeah. to get to mm-hmm. is, this has now come to the Indians' front office. They're going to have to find a veteran to bring in the outfield for the rest of the season and to have a chance at the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to find somebody who can play right field and can play it consistently. And I, and I don't want a quote unquote platoon player. We have enough of them with Amante. We have mm-hmm. others who will fill that void. I starter. And, you know, it's going to cost you something. But if you want to make a run this year, you're going to have to find yourself a legitimate outfielder to bring in the rest of this season. If that's a rental in a Jay Bruce, or if it's a rental in, in, in a, a Greg Ganderson from um, the Mets, someone like that, it's something they're going to have to – to choose who that player is in a major leagues that's going to be get through the waiver wires and they're going to make a move on because they're going to have to do it in the next week or two. I think they're going to have to do it earlier than the 31st deadline in August because it's necessary mm-hmm. to yep. take advantage of every game you have the rest of the year. Because of the injury to Brantley, because of the injury to Chisholm Hall, you lost two-thirds of your starting outfield, and that's huge. I don't care who you are. Your center fielder has been injured this year, and you ended up with a rookie in in Zimmer, who's done a fantastic job for a rookie. But you can't have an outfield filled of that little experience and expect Mm -hmm. to win. I don't care who you are. Expect an outfield, you know, that they're they're putting out there right now to be productive. They're going to have to find themselves a veteran outfielder who can play uh, either both corner positions or one of them, and give him the ball, give him the job, and let him be a bat in the lineup that can produce. I, I you know I don't know exactly who the Indians may be uh, targeting, but it's going to be a ne- necessity the rest of the year if they want I know who an they offensive target for one. Go ahead, tell me. I would. I think you got to make. Two trades in the outfield. I want Jay Bruce or Curtis Granderson. I know they're not. I know Bruce isn't great defensively, but right now you got to jumpstart the offense somehow. It's August 9th. Um, and I would do whatever it takes to get uh, Rajay Davis back. I think both of them are you legitimate know, you know opportunities. I think they could possibly land either one of those. Or um, let me say this Do you go Curtis Granderson and put him at leadoff? Anything's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm open to anything. I mean, I'm open to anything right now, but yeah, yeah. It's, hey, look, the bottom line is because of injuries the Indians are facing, they're going to have to make a move for the outfield. There's no question in my mind, as long as Chisholm yep. Hall, and he's not coming back anytime soon, is on the DL, and Brantley's going to miss a minimum of 10 days, if not longer, with his ankle injury, you have to fill the void. Mm-hmm. 
you cannot expect a Tyler Naquin, a Bra- a, you know, a, a Zimmer, and an Amante to be your outfield. It's just not Brent, going yep. to win you ball games. You're going to have to address this issue. And, yes, yep. you're going to have to give up a player of some caliber to land somebody for the rest of the year. But if you have yep. dreams of October, you're going to have to fill this void. And the Indians must address this coming forward, in my opinion. And it has to probably be done sooner than later. Uh, last year when they went and got Coco Chris, it was because they knew they weren't going to have Monte in mm-hmm. the postseason. And they made the move, and he was here. You know, he filled the void. He had a great postseason, exactly what you were looking for. Postseason. I think he batted like 220 during the regular season that month of September for yep. us. But he had a terrific postseason. And that's basically what you're looking for right now, is someone to fill that void who can uh, be that player. You need – Has a stick of – a major league stick who can drive in runs and yes. get on base. And like you said, if it's Granderson, you may be then – fill two voids you get an outfielder plus someone who can hit lead off if it's bruce you get a a power hitter who can bat fit behind um or bat six you know that type of scenario behind santana so you're gonna have to find that void there's no doubt in my mind that's gonna be key going forward for the indians is they're gonna have to find a player because of the injuries that they've had this season uh i mean obviously ramirez you know, being able to play second and, and third works terrific for you in the mm-hmm. infield, and you'll take advantage of that. And if, God forbid, if you have to put him in the outfield, you can too, but you just have nobody left in the infield to play. So, you know, obviously there's there's options. You know, if a third baseman came up and you really believe that would make the key, then you could do that. You could move yep. him out to right field or left field necessary because of injuries. But yep. I'm not expecting that more than him playing more second base and third base this year. And, uh, and being the player that he has been. But the key, I think, going forward is the Indians have to fill the outfield void because of injuries. If you've got six weeks left in the season, seven weeks left in the regular season, you have to have that bat in as many games possible going forward for your offense to score, for you don't lose games three to two like you did today. Let me say this. But you have too. opportunity to score runs. And I think yep. that's what it comes down to. The starting pitching looks like it's turned a corner and we have a chance to – do well, even though you lost one the, of your starters and in, in Tomlin. I honestly – but we had the depth of a six-man starting rotation we had there for a while. Yep. And I'm concerned about Clevenger being a rookie and tiring out. It looks like he's hit a wall. Yep. But uh, I'm willing to fight my way through that right now and because you're not going to find a pitcher this time of the year. That was last week before the trading deadline, mm-hmm. and they chose you know to bring in – uh, Joe Smith, which, again, I, I have a lot of respect for. I think it was a good move to give yourself another arm out of the bullpen. But right now, with Miller down, with Logan out for the season, you're going to need – I mean, if you could, yeah, if, if Craig Breslow is the guy who comes up and helps this team, I'm all for it mm-hmm. because they're going to need that player going forward. Even if it's just a matchup lefty, you know, that Breslow may become – uh, that's, it's going to be important for the Indians because they're going to need that pitcher in the bullpen. Now that you know, you're waiting and hoping that uh, these ten days off for Miller is all he needs for his knee, and he can return to somewhat of the great pitcher that he was prior to this knee injury. Because uh, we've seen him struggle the last two weeks, uh, strikes and hitting batters, and that it was a 
huge concern. I'm glad to see the Indians address it and try to get him the rest and the therapy necessary for that need to get better. And because uh, they're going to need, a, you know, you can't win without a Andrew Miller right now. It's just it's absolutely yeah. imperative for the Indians to have him six, you know, uh, healthy and willing to uh, be able to be used for the next two plus months. If you know, if the playoffs are part of the Indians' future, which right now they are. Uh, Indians front office has uh, some major decisions to make in the next uh, week to 10 days because I want that bat sooner than later because I think every game matters from this point on. Let me say this. Right now, you mentioned Trevor Bauer, and what another tremendous outing today. And that's now three or four in a row where he has a ERA 1.23. That's incredible. Um, you know me, I'm not a big Danny Salazar fan, but I'll admit I was wrong. He's come back and he's looked lights out. I mean, he looked lights out. Um, right now, the Indians rotation, the past month, month and a half, they are pitching like they are the best rotation in baseball, and they are pitching at a and I and this is the mi- most misconception with what my feelings about teams this year. Listen, I get so fired up because I love this team to death. And whatever, I'm always going to love this team. But the Indians this year were not built like we talked about just to sneak into the playoffs. They were built to compete and win a World Series. Um, Injuries might derail that, and it just might be the baseball guy saying, Cleveland, it's not you. You're going to have to wait. Um, But the rotation has pitched like a World Series. Not, Not just playoff good, but they are pitching like a World Championship caliber staff and once you get Miller back that will help because Joe Smith has looked lights out and I think and, and you might want to mark this down at 639 on August 1917 I'm going to give Brian Shaw credit as much as I do not like him and as much as I would wouldn't mind if he's off the team next year we got to roll with what we got and with when Miller comes back hopefully that relieves the stress on Allen um joe smith picks up some of the slack from shaw hopefully those guys coming back gives shaw and allen a break they need listen when you're asking cody allen and all these pitchers to go in and face this kind of a lineup when let's be honest they know the offense stinks and they know that it's they've they got to throw shutouts it's not just, well, we got to – and that's the most important thing about pitching stuff right now. It's – they're humans. They know they got to throw zeros on the board. It's not, well, we can – like a 95, but we can give up two or three runs and expect to win the game. I, I mean, right now you give up two or three runs and you're getting blown out because we're scratching and clawing to score one or two runs. I think we're at a point right now, like you said, the front office has to make a move. And I think they have to make a move too for, like you said, you got to get a bat in there that can help this team, especially your corner outfield spot. But right now, this offense needs a jolt. It just needs just – it's not a move saying, guys, you're not good enough. We don't believe in you. It's, guys, we just need a jolt to get something going. Last year when we got Andrew Miller, Cody Allen was the first one saying, this is the jolt we need. And look what happened. It took us on one of the best rides we've been on in – a long time. Well, yeah, and, and last year, you know, 
Jay Bruce is going to be an Andrew Miller type guy. But right now, you need a jolt, just like a big bopper, uh, to come in and something. I mean, just take the stress off Lindor and Ramirez and Encarnacion. Right now, Lindor, oh, he's played really well the past couple months. And Ramirez is in a spurt right now where he's probably hit a wall. You know, he's been counted on all year to do stuff. They need a jolt. And hopefully um, the front office sees that and they go out and they address it quickly because, listen, Chisholm and Brentley are great players. They played really well for us this year. But you can't expect them to come off the yell and all of a sudden like that, boom, you know it's going to click. No. Hey, look, like I said, last year was a magical year because they did not have the injuries that they've had this year. Uh, they had a couple of players have career years in a sense. And, and, you know, some of them are here, some of them aren't. And this year we've had the injury bug. I mean, let's be honest. It's hit both the starting pitching staff. It's hit the outfield. It's hit the infield. And this team's still right now in first place. So there's some, a lot, you know, and you quite honest with you, and that's something to be, you know, to hang a hat on and say, you know, this team is scrapping and is finding a way to win and stay in this with all the the adversities it had. And you got to remember, you even lost your manager for 10 days, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, for health reasons. So I believe you know, when you get right down to it, they got to weather the storm. But you, like you said, they have to find some help. And it's up to the front office to make those moves right now. I think the sooner the better. Uh, the more games that that person can be involved in will be a benefit for the Cleveland Indians going forward. And I really think in the end, uh, it's necessary. The outfield needs help. Yeah. You cannot, you will not win inexperienced outfield. And this much nope. of the inexperienced ability to drive in runs. You know, you're going to get rookie mistakes like, like Zimmer did the other day when he got frustrated on that pop-up and didn't run it out. You're going to get El Monte turning the wrong way yep. in the outfield. You're going to have that. It's Nick Tyler Naquin's going to do the same type of mistakes because they're young, inexperienced major league ball players, and you're not going to win without experience. I don't care who you are. Yes, uh, Rajay Davis would be a nice bonus to have back. I'm not going to disagree. I loved what he brought to this team with speed, but he has a weaker arm in the outfield. I mean, you have – you know, pluses and minuses with every player. Uh, what, what Jackson has done coming off the DL has been phenomenal, and thank goodness you have that type of leadership uh, in the outfield right now. And he has, he has. He has played incredible, and you got to give him a lot of credit. But I think in the end, it's going to be up to the front office now to address this, especially now that Michael Brantley went down and Chisinau is not ready to come back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the sooner you get another bat in the outfield, who can play the outfield competently and give you play, and hopefully to be able to get on base and drive in runs, that will be huge. Who that player is, I'll let them make that decision, but I want to see this move made sooner than later. And it's, you know, sometimes it's a matter of winning that player through waivers or making your claim on him when he comes about. So we'll have to wait and see how this develops here in the next few weeks. But uh, injuries this year has been the key key ingredient to why I think the Indians have scuffled so much this season. All right, let's move on as uh, we get towards this. Let's going to do a quick football moment here. Uh, just to remind everybody again, mm-hmm. high school football is on its way and Anthony and I will be 
bringing the games along with Matt Ench on Z104 here in the Valley. Our first game is Howland and Lakeview, and that's coming up on August 25th. And uh, that is uh, quickly coming about as it's August 9th here today. So I cannot 16 wait. Days. 16, 16 days. 16 days. And 15 days to my uh, 15 days till I make my uh, return to the Ice Castle for uh, a little Zach Brown coming in the airwaves uh, to uh, the Ice Castle to warm it up. So it should be a lot of fun on that. And then high school football follows on the following day, and we're going to bring it to you. And uh, like I mentioned, and we're going to have mm -hmm. some people coming on uh, talking high school football here in the next few weeks. And uh, we're going to try to bring this uh, podcast to you a little bit quicker. But I want to turn to the NFL real quickly. I know you were down in Canton. I want you to take a moment and talk about your experiences and the people you met. And uh, what a great time to be down there for the Hall of Fame, especially you being a Bronco fan and watching the induction of, uh, of uh, Davis. Yeah, it was. Uh, if you got to come back from Florida early, it's a nice thing to come back to. Uh, I spent a couple of days down in Naples with family. Great time. And then I had the uh, privilege. It was a great privilege and honor. Uh, probably one of the better, probably a top three sports moment of my life uh, to be able to go to Canton and see my favorite Bronco of all time, uh, Terrell Davis, getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. And what made it even more special uh, was I got to attend with my Uncle Bill who was raised on the Broncos fan, been one of my role models, uh, been one of the biggest role models in my life. And it was an honor just to see football greatness in one stadium. And it's only 45 minutes away from us, you know. Um, and we were walking up into the stadium, and we got to meet uh, Steve Atwater, uh, safety on the, on the championship team in 97, 98. And then uh, got to take a picture and chat with uh, Coach Kubiak, uh, who won the Super Bowl a couple years ago with us and who's been a part of all three of our championships. Uh, so that was a great honor. It was an incredible uh, performance. It, it, it was when they – I've heard watching on TV and just hearing people talk that the Hall of Fame does a great job putting on stuff. They mean it. It is absolutely an incredible time, despite the five and a half hours of listening to speeches. Um if you have a chance to go down one year, I'd recommend it. It is absolutely incredible. Um, and just listen to some of the stories. Uh, Morton Anderson, I was absolutely hilarious. Uh, Kurt Warner's speech was incredible. LT speech was great. Uh, Kenny Easley's speech was really powerful. Uh, Jerry Jones, well, you could take Jerry or leave him. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. but it was – an honor. When I was a little kid, I always said if uh, Terrell Davis got in the Hall of Fame, which I for years pounded the table in his support of going in, I would go. And it just happened to work out that I got to swing it to go this year. And, um, you know, just really incredible uh, sharing that moment uh, with my uncle, who were big Broncos fans. Um, and I'm going to start the crusade right now. We need to get Pat Bowen in next year. If Jerry Jones is in the Hall of Fame, there is no reason Mr. B I should not be in there. I and totally hoping, agree with you. And I'm hoping next August, uh, this time of year, I'm going back to Canton. Um, it was incredible seeing uh, Broncos Nation out in uh, Canton. It was incredible, but I don't know what else to say about it. It was 
uh, one of the best football moments of my life. Um, I'm glad you got to experience, you know, many years ago, many years ago, uh, back, oh God, I'm not sure the exact year. It had to been 88, 89, maybe 90. I'm not sure the exact year. I had a chance to go. Uh, a friend of mine was an intern back in the day at a uh, facility at in Canton, mm -hmm. one of the government places. And, uh, well, basically the whole city shuts down, as you know, yes. for this. Yes, and they do. They And they all volunteer to be part of it. Well, in the process, because of that, we were able to get into – this is when the uh, the ceremonies were out on the, uh, the front gate of the, uh, front. Uh, the Hall yep. of Fame. This was before they moved them into the stadium. And, uh, matter of fact, I got to see that was the year uh, Terry Bradshaw got inducted. And I got to see his famous space where he said, if I could only have uh, one more time to put my hands behind the butt of uh, Mike Webster, you know. And uh, and Al Davis was there inducting one of the Raiders offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember uh, who. And uh, it, was a few, it was a few others. I don't remember exactly all of them, but it was a f phenomenal oh, moment. Maybe. It yeah. might have been Archell. It probably was. And, and, I mean, it is. It is an incredible, incredible experience. And like you mentioned, it's one of Northeast Ohio's gem. And yep. I've been to the Hall of Fame a couple times in my life. I need to go back because it's such an amazing place uh, just to walk around and see everything and to talk to those who run it. And uh, some of the, the ex expeditions that they have there, it's just it's phenomenal. It's worth the uh, – the time and the effort yes. to go. And uh, I I know a few people who went to different Hall of Fame ceremonies over the last few years, and they are. It's phenomenal. The brand-new stadium now. Uh, Gorgeous. They're Gorgeous. It's not a surprise. The NFL does everything uh, top shelf when they, they have that ability. And I, I was, I'm sure it was a great experience. I'm glad you had a chance to see it. I hope you have a chance again in the future because I hope like I'm there I said, next it's year a gem. It's, it, yep. and why not? And he deserves it. Be quite honest. He's one yes, of the, he does. Uh, yes, the he does. one of the forefront owners in the NFL for the last uh, 35 years. And he's uh, a major part of why uh, Denver has been so successful over his uh, time period as an owner. And uh, it was a question in my yep. mind. I agree with you. And, and that was brought up by uh, those who uh, the Denver Broncos situation and uh, yep. his health. I think it's it's more imperative now than ever before. I don't want him yeah, it is. to miss that opportunity to celebrate what he brings to the uh, to the NFL and uh, what he has meant to the NFL. Uh, now going into the uh, NFL on my part, uh, congratulations to the Cleveland Browns for making the correct decision. I'm so proud. Yeah, of that. All right, I, it is. Uh, you know, I know. You know, Kaiser's the man of the future, but he's not no. ready. He's not going to be ready, and quite honestly, I don't want him even on the field, especially the first four games of the year. season, when the Browns open up against Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati. Those four games, I pray to God there's no reason for him to be on the field. Happen later in the season. It may happen game five, yep. but uh, Brock Osweiler brings the most experience to this team right now of the quarterbacks you have, mm -hmm. and I quite honestly with you, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night to watch him play. I don't care if it's one series or five series. I'm just kind of curious to see how he handles the situation. He's been moved up from the second team. This is the first week he's working with the number ones. We'll see how it goes, and I'm not worried about it. However, I do have a suggestion for the Cleveland Browns and the quarterback scenario. No matter what happens here, personally, hope that they make the they recognize the situation they're in. And if I had the opportunity to be in someone's ear, I'd tell them exactly what to do. And that is uh, Cody Kessler. Thank you. 
wish you well in your future, but you're not making this team. And Hogan, I think you, again, have talent, and I wish you well. You're not making this team. And I'm signing Colin Kaepernick tomorrow to be the backup and to potentially be the starter this year. And then you would have three quarterbacks on this team where you actually have an opportunity to move forward. And Colin Kaepernick, in Brock Osweiler, and then Kaiser as your third-string quarterback, who, again, who is your quarterback of the future, who I do not want on the field this year, and I want to move forward. Uh, to move forward with Osweiler and then have Cody Kessler and and Hogan as your quarterback is not is not optimal. You have an opportunity. You have a starting NFL quarterback out there who has done nothing wrong, who just exercised his right as an American. You may disagree with it, and I respect your disagreement with his actions, but he has not committed a crime, anything wrong in this country, and he actually just yep. used his constitutional rights, and I respect that. I may not agree with it. I may agree with it. It doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is the man belongs in the NFL in an opportunity, and if you're the Cleveland Browns in your quarterback situation, I think Osweiler right now makes the most sense to start and you got to give him that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if he fails this week, and if he fails going into next week in the first couple of days of practice, I'm on the phone yep. as soon as tomorrow. In fact, I would do it tomorrow. I wouldn't even waste time. I, he would be signed today to a one-year contract because bottom line is you know who you want your, your future quarterback to be in Kaiser. Mm -hmm. It's a job that has to be filled in the long term and short term. And not to go out and get someone who had played in the NFL, who's played in a Super Bowl, led a team to a Super Bowl, into the playoffs, and a, and has the ability to play the position and not take advantage of it, shame on you. And that goes across the NFL. I mean, Baltimore had a chance to sign him. Take advantage of their mistake. Yep. Sign him today. Give yourself depth at the a quarterback position and make yourself a viable team with a quarterback this year i'm not saying you're going to win 10 games i'm not saying you're going to win eight games i'm saying give yourself an opportunity to have quarterback position because we know no quarterback has played 16 games mm -hmm. and no quarterback probably sure. will and the idea of cody kessler playing two or four or six <laughs> games this year does not excite me at all <laughs> and ross oxweiler right now makes total sense because that's the best quarterback you have on your roster but there's a one out there who's available today. It makes yep. absolutely no sense not to upgrade your team right now. You can get him on a one-year contract and make a decision, or one year and an option, and make your decision if you want to bring him back in the future. If he puts, you know, stars and in, in, in people in the seats and and wins a you know a ungodly amount of games this year, or that does terrifically, I don't expect any of that to happen. But I want a legitimate NFL quarterback. And there's a legitimate NFL quarterback available right now, and it won't cost you anything more than signing him. The Browns need to do this today. Yeah, I would uh, not be a Browns fan. I wouldn't be surprised if he, I support that move. You, you know, you got guys like Ezekiel Elliott who have been accused of doing crimes that have been caught on video camera still starting and doing stuff. You know, I think he's being at this point unfairly targeted uh, for what he did. You know, you got guys across the league who kneeled also, and they're still starting. They have, um, look, do I support the kneeling? No. But like I said earlier, you're doing your fifth amendment right, the freedom of speech. You have the freedom to protest, and they're doing it in a peaceful manner. 
You know, they're not. Now, were some of his comments outlandish and wrong? Yes. But let's be honest here. We're all humans. We, when we get in the heat of the moment, do we say stuff we really mean? No. No. I, it's, you know, um, it would be a good waiver to take because, like we've seen the past couple of years, the Browns, for some reason, they just cannot keep quarterbacks healthy. Now their offensive line should be better this year with a, a pretty good run game. But nobody in the NFL, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, um, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, it's very rare if you start all 16 games. You know, it is, especially in that division, especially in the AFC North, where it's for historically known to be a tough, brutal division. Hey, look, I mean, if Harbaugh wanted him, and you know darn well he talked to his brother about him ahead of time. Yes. And he was willing to put his name on the line, who's won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Yep. And wants this type of a player backing up as an emergency scenario for his team. That tells you everything you know. Yep. I don't care your politics. Your politics does not mean anything on the football field. Nope. Uh, what matters is how you play. And here is a player that's available today who can help the Cleveland Browns with depth at that position and could give you potentially the idea of having a starting quarterback, a legitimate NFL starting quarterback who has experience uh, start 16 games between two quarterbacks, then I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity. And I think the Browns have to make this move. Someone's going to make this move sooner or later. Browns make the move because they need the depth at this position. Uh, the idea of Cody Kessler or or Hogan plan does not excite me. And yep. it should not, it should worry every Cleveland Brown fan. I think they're making the correct move in Osweiler, especially with that start of the season. I mean, you're talking yep. about Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Indianapolis and Cincinnati, those first four games, that first quarter of and the season. And it seems that Osweiler and, played before too. Yeah, and here's the thing. you I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire, but right now he's your best opportunity to have quality NFL quarterback play. Maybe not be the top 10 quarterback, may not be a top 20 quarterback in the NFL, but he's at least that gives you that opportunity. And yep. Osweiler's young enough to still grow and get better. I'm not saying he, he, he will. I'm just saying there's that possibility. And if you have a Colin Kaepernick out there who has the experience that he's had, I bring him in. And if he wins the job in the short amount of time left in the preseason, so be it. But if he comes off as relief in week two, or week three, or week four, or whatever the case may be, they need to do it. Like I said, this isn't about politics. It's about playing football. And this isn't about someone who uh, has committed a crime that we talked about earlier. Uh, this is about a guy who had who basically decided to use his constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with someone they protest, someone disagreeing what he stands for or what he chose to, to, to uh, protest. Or I don't have a problem with someone who may agree with them. My point is he's done nothing illegal, nothing mm-hmm. wrong. And, and and circle back to the YSU thing real quickly here. It's because, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, Richards served his time. He's given himself the opportunity to move on in his life. And if YSU is willing to grant him this opportunity and give him the chance to prove himself, not just to himself, to his teammates, to the university, to a community, then – that's the betterment of everybody. And I have no problem with that. I do have problems with the the crime that was committed. And that is a huge problem. But 
I do believe in second chances. I do believe people deserve an opportunity to prove themselves. And uh, they'll, they'll show your true colors will show sooner or later. It yep. never fails. I don't care who you are. Your true colors never stops the fail to show. So you must do it. Yep. And I honestly want to get back to the Browns and this scenario. I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. I want to see them perform. I'm, I'm glad they made the decision to put Osweiler in the starting quarterback this week and hopefully move forward. He's the best quarterback they have on the roster, but doesn't mean they can't improve it. And there's someone out there who can improve it tomorrow. And that's Colin Kaepernick. And I hope the Browns recognize that. I saw Sashi Brown and uh, the rest of his uh, team recognizes that. And the ownership uh, will allow that to happen because it absolutely makes no sense for me to look at the Browns quarterback situation and see a player of that caliber out there and not go after him. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Do your football team a favor and make sure you have depth at quarterback. Yeah, I I think you hit it pretty much on the head. I, um, You know, I think my team, the Broncos, in a little better spot uh, quarterback-wise. Now, not great, but, you know, we're not riding with Cody Kessler as a possible backup, you know, so. Correct. No, you I know, totally agree. I understand exactly what you're you saying. You have a chance to improve your football team and to have depth. You can never have enough depth in the NFL. You, no, you, not, you not can, at all. I mean, you look back at YSU last year, even in college. You went through three quarterbacks in a game against Northern Iowa. Exactly. I mean, so you can never, never have enough depth at one position, no matter what level of football you're playing. It's so. I totally agree. Hey, Anthony, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, it's a long yep. podcast today, but our thanks out to Jim Craven for coming by and being part of our podcast today. And don't forget to check out the Scourge, the Western Reserve Scourge, this uh, Friday night on westernreserveradio.com. And uh, please, if you're listening to this, if you download through iTunes, please rate and review our podcast. Very important as uh, more rates and reviews we get. The more people will be able to find us. That's how iTunes makes the desire, uh, gives the uh, ability to find your podcast when they search it. So the more rate, ratings and reviews, if you give us five stars, greatly appreciative. A one or two set in review would be terrific as we move forward. Anthony, we'll get to this next week. We'll uh, review our high school football schedule. Yep. We'll talk about what's going on. We're going to try to get Matt Ench in on the podcast, my podcast partner. Our partner is coming this uh, football season as we will be broadcasting on Z104, and we'll have more information on all that uh, coming in the next week. And uh, we're going to try to get this going on a weekly basis. I know we said that before, yep. but from this point on, yep, we're done with vacation. Uh, we're going to make a commitment. Yep. Yeah, it's football season's here, baseball yep. season's revving up, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Basketball's not too far away neither. So no, it's going to be that. a lot of fun. And stay, stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned for a lot of a great, great opportunities right here on this uh, podcast. So for Anthony, I'm Tim. Thanks for listening to Radio MVP Sports Podcast. Peace.